Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you guys. Thanks to Brian and to Randy for the great job they did. And just for you guys watching, to let you know, I was skydiving. Um, Yeah. Thought I'd say something, because these guys give me no sympathy. Uh, Just a little accident, a little hairline fracture. The cast is on till the 31st, and then it comes off, hopefully, and everything will be back to normal. But anyway, I'm doing well. Thanks for all those who've reached out and asked how I'm doing. I'm fine. Uh, it's my wife who has to put up with me being slower than usual. So, But anyway, it's good to be back, and again, so grateful for uh, the great job that Brian and Randy did. Appreciate you guys. Uh, let's pause, let's pray, and we'll get started this morning. Father, once again, we come here in humility with gratitude that we are able to pursue our knowledge of you, to pursue our desire for you, and to allow your spirit to do a work in that space that we give you. And and we pray that that would take place here this morning, that we would be provoked, we would be inspired, we would be pushed forward. Father, in ways that are good, ways that are leading us to be more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. A couple of announcements. Um, One, we want to remind everybody that we are here because of your generosity and giving. Um, And so you can go to our website, thegenesisstory.com, and give the various ways that we have there. We also want to keep the... Mary's family up in prayer. Gil is going to be leaving, going to a memorial service for Mary's nephew um, today. Um, Also, uh, there is news to one of the couples that we met in Ireland. I don't know if you saw that. Rob, remember Rob and Sherry? Rob passed away. Um, I don't know all the details, but it was a young couple and really neat guy. Um, And they're having a memorial service later too, not today, but Uh, later in the month. So, you know, there are people going through difficult things and our hearts go out to them and just the families and the hardship that is there because those are the kinds of things that life, we encounter with life. Um, And and it's in this understanding of life, the experience of life, that we kind of push through right now uh, with the book of Genesis. Last two weeks with both Brian and Randy, they both talked about their faith and the the growth of it. 
you know, they talked about a deconstruction and there's different words used, whether it's a, an evolution of faith, uh, an auditing of faith, a change of faith, a growing of faith uh, that they have experienced and, and talked about. I think it's something that it's seen throughout scripture. I think it's something that we experience in our lives. Most people I know don't think and see their faith the same as they did when they first maybe made a decision to follow Christ or uh, to join a faith and become a Christian or whatever it was that they became a part of. Um, we have people who've been a part of our community who have been part of the the Mormon church and things like that. And there's been a, a change in their lives and other places of faith too. And so I think this is a normal thing and I think it's an important thing. And what I want to do is next week, and I'm sharing this so that you can be mindful of this. Next week, I'm going to have like a little uh, discussion with both Brian and Randy about what that has looked like in their lives. And if you have questions about maybe some of the things you're experiencing, it would be a great time to present those to us both online and also um, here live. So those things are going to take place next Sunday. Um, hopefully you guys will benefit from our discussion about some of the things that we think, feel, see happening with us. And I'm sure if there's things happening with you too, we would love for your voice to be a part of these voices because that's what a body is. Um, today I want to look at Genesis chapters 12 through 22. It's 10 chapters, so we're going to be here till 6 this evening. There is a chapter change at the end of chapter 10, really, um, when there's a genealogy listing that takes us to Abram, Abraham's father, Terah. There is a, a short break that we talked about when I was here a few weeks ago with the, the Tower of Babel the slam on Babylon, and really a, a change that was taking place even at that time in faith where God is someone we have to reach to God is someone who is reaching us. And we use that terminology someone because we have no other terminology that really is easy for us to grab hold onto. Um, but what we've been seeing through the book of Genesis is the story of a people who have been devastated by exile. The Babylonians just wiped them out, destroyed their temple, ripped them from the land that was promised to them. There is no more kings. There is no more nation. And going through that and then coming back, they are writing about who they are. And so the book of Genesis is from a people looking backwards, but we see in the book, it is looking forward. And we've talked about this before. It is pointing to the law that is going to govern them. And what we've seen is the move from chaos to order. We, we saw that in the garden, right? God formed out of this chaos, the waters, this garden, and he created, and it was good, and it was good, and it was very good. 
But then there was an exile from the garden because of their disobedience, just like the nation was exiled from their land because of their disobedience. And so the story goes on. And then there is the hope. I've been given a a man child and Abel is going to restore things, but there's the brother Cain who kills him. And what happens? He's now exiled. And again, we see, okay, well, there's some semblance of order, but now there's more chaos that comes on. But then she has another child, Seth, and God is going to change everything through Seth. Now there's going to come this good, this order, this reestablishing of a garden, but it doesn't happen. The world is wicked. And we see that there is evil continually. And then there's that weird thing with the sons of God and the daughters of man. And then there is Noah, there's the flood. And once again, God wipes everything out and brings order from the chaos or so it seems. That's Tower of Babel, again, story that's in between where we're at now. But what's God going to do now? Because after Noah, there was his son Ham who looked at his father's nakedness and Noah cursed his Ham's son, which were the Canaanites that we talked about. And and so now there is this disorder again. How is God going to reestablish order from the chaos that just keeps arising? And we see that it happens through Abraham, who is starting off as Abram. And so I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses one through three. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we are not told why Abraham Why this guy? What did he do that was so special? We're not given any of that information. And remember, a lot of those questions just aren't answered because they're not the questions being asked by the people at that time. And we see that Abram's father, Terah, comes from, guess, Babylon. And he's told to leave and come to this land that God is gonna promise him. Again, a representative, just like Israel being exiled from Babylon is now coming back to their nation, just like what happened to our forefather. The story is being retold. You see, God has brought order from chaos in the past and he's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it with us. That is what they're leaning into. And we see that from Joshua, I think it's chapter 24, that there's some issues, right, with, Abram's father, that he worshiped false gods. And so what's with that? Well, we don't know. It's just all of a sudden, it's kind of thrown out there. Oh yeah, he worshiped false gods, but then here we go. Why did God call him? What's going on? We're not given that information. But this story is very much another story of Israel in miniature. And we see the similarities being fruitful, being a great nation, just like we saw in Genesis right, for Adam and Eve, just like we saw, again, with Noah afterwards. We're seeing it here again. There is this kind of reoccurrence of reestablishing this order. 
And so soon we're, we're going to see through, and I'm going to go through a lot of these things. I can't read the 10 chapters, you guys, so you're going to have to read it on your own. That's your homework. We see that while Abram's being called to this land, there's a famine, and he has to go someplace to help with this famine. Where does he go? Egypt. Sound familiar? And he goes to Egypt, and Sarah, his wife, is apparently very beautiful, even though she's older, and Abram is in fear for his life, and he says, they're going to try and kill me to take her, so tell them you're my sister. Good job, chosen one, right? And so he basically is giving up his wife so that he'll save his own life, but then Pharaoh is plagued. Sound familiar? Because God's trying to protect Sarah, Sarai at the time. And so Abram gets goats and all kinds of things for selling his wife and then leaves with more stuff. Sound familiar? You see, it's very much like the story of Israel. They go in, they, they're plagued, uh, is Egypt's plagued because of their presence there and they leave with all this spoils. It's a miniature story giving us kind of the same thing. And exile was punishment, but it was not the end. Our ancient story tells us so. See, we were exiled as people, but it's not our end. Remember what happened to Abram. And so there's a lot that's happening Abraham's family grows. He has to rescue his nephew Lot. He's blessed by the king of Salem, Melchizedek, but refuses to receive anything from the king of Sodom, which I'm sure has more meanings than we even know. And then in chapter 15, what we see is Abraham questions the Lord about this promise that he has going to be a great nation because he still has no kids and he's getting older. God promises him again and, and he makes a covenant with him and a strange ritual where he cuts the animals down the half long while he separates them and there's this smoke and fire just like there was as the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness following this pillar of smoke and this fire, the light from the Lord. And he tells them, I am going to be a blessing to you. And may what happened to these animals happen to me if I don't fulfill my covenant with you. But there's something strange about this covenant because covenants were usually two-way streets. Kings would make a covenant with the people. I will protect you. I will keep you safe from the enemy. All you have to do is pay tribute and honor me and not rebel. But in this one, there is no two-way street. It's just God saying, I am going to do this for you. The promise is for the people, for promise to Abraham is for people and a land. Again, pointing forward. And then in chapter 16, there is still no child. And in verse one of chapter 16, it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. More accurately, accurately, he listened to the voice, which is 
reminiscent of Adam listening to the voice from Eve. Now, if you watch The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, you know this isn't going to go well, okay? This is going to be bad. There's no way it can go well, and it doesn't, right? Sarai is cruel to Hagar. Hagar flees, not wanting to stay in this environment. God reaches out to Hagar and says, go back. I will take care of you and make your child a nation in himself. And she has a son, Ishmael. God shows up again, and this time he modifies the covenant with Abram. In verse Nine of chapter 17, God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. What covenant? What am I to keep? I thought the covenant was you promising to me. Now there is this extension. What's happening here? It's as if he already knows what's going on. And again, the people reading this at this time have an idea of what's being told here. You and your offspring after you throughout their generations, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Okay, we're all thinking, what's going on? This must be important. Every male among you shall be circumcised. What? You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or brought with your money, or bought with your money, again, what? From the foreigner who is not from of your offspring. Both he who is born in your household and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off, pun intended, from his people. He has broken my covenant. Wait, wait, wait. That wasn't in the original agreement. This is like getting a contract from a used car person, no offense, Brian, and saying, (laughs) what is this undercarriage stuff I have to buy that's another $300 a month or whatever, right? It's like, where did this come from? And now, if all of this seems strange to you, good, because it is. This is bizarre for us. We are reading ancient stories written to a people living in a culture very different than ours. And if you can just step into this with no problem, there is a problem. We don't relate to this because it is not to us at this time. I hope you're not buying people. Now, the whole meaning of circumcision, there's a lot of ideas, but we're not even told what it is. We have to guess. It's like, come on, throw us a bone. We don't know why, because it wasn't in our time, it wasn't to us, and it wasn't to the Israelites alone. There were other cultures that also had circumcision. And so we don't know what's going on. Possibly it's to to claim the firstborn. Any offspring that comes from your loins belongs to the Lord. We're just guessing. Is this how God does things? God, I hope not. Is this how they explained God doing things? Yeah, it is. 
And just as there has already been a change from God giving a covenant saying, I want nothing to God now saying, I want something after all, we see that there is a change developing in this and they're not batting an eye and we don't have to try and reconcile what God said and what he says again and what he's gonna say later on because that's not the point. We don't have to try and make this flow into a, a, an order that has no discrepancies, no, no issues, that it's all just nice and neat like a, a historical lesson. That's not what's happening. And, and that's not all. The story goes on. Later, three men or two angels and the Lord tell Abram, Sarah, that they're still going to have a child. Sarah laughs. The angel says, you laughed. She says, no, I didn't. She goes, yes, you did. And so you're gonna call your son laughter, Isaac. And so that takes place, but that's not all then. They turn these three men, it says, and they're gonna go and wipe out the city of Sodom. Okay, there's that. Now, the three have this conversation. Again, I can't go into all of these things, but I'm, I'm trying to point out some things that are highlights that the people would see and understand at that time. In chapter 18, verse 17, then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abram what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great powerful nation and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after me to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. What are the things there to keep? What are the ways of the Lord? What, what is this covenant thing? And it keeps adding now to this. What are these ways? We, we see this later again in chapter 26, verse 5, where it says, because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required him, keeping my commands, my decrees, my instructions. What commands, what decrees, what instructions? There's nothing written out up to this point. Why? Because it was written later. And they are looking back and they know what's happening. And so what's happening is they are retelling the story. They're not trying to give historically accurate information of everything that happened. They're not cheating and just making things up. They are trying to present a story that is inclusive to who they are. When I went to Haiti, there was a, a church that had a picture that was painted on it of Jesus. And Jesus was black and looked like the Haitians. And before you would think, oh, that's wrong. Think about all the white Jesuses that were painted in European pictures, right? Sorry, he wasn't white either. What are we doing? We are taking a story and putting ourselves in it so that it has meaning to us and they are doing the same thing. And it's not wrong. It is how they are connecting themselves to their history and the story that they see themselves as part of. And just when you think it can't get any stranger, it does. We go to chapter 22, and this is really the highlight of what I wanted to bring out in all these changes that are happening. And again, keeping in mind just what I mentioned at the very beginning and this idea that 
both Brian and Randy, and I, I even had a series I called, I think, Deconstruction back in 2020, I think it was. But in chapter 22, verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Okay. We've heard this story so many times, but if we do not flinch at this, we do not understand the implications here. At a time where it was not uncommon for there to be child sacrifices, there is even a, a, a story in the book of Kings where, or I think it's Judges, where one of the judges says he will offer to God the first thing that comes into the door, and it's his daughter, and he does. And you think, that's crazy. You're right, that is crazy. Why? Because it's at an ancient time to an ancient people in an ancient culture. And so what's just as frightening as God saying to do this, because God later in his laws would say it's not allowed, is how easily Abraham does it, right? The next morning he gets up and he moves on. Really? Next morning, it'd take me a few days to process this one, right? Which kid? Um, <laughs> right, I mean, it would be like, <laughs> you, you, we move on as if it's no big deal. This is huge. In verse seven, chapter 22, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on. Burnt offering, lamb, sacrifice, where did that come from? We haven't been told anything about offerings, sacrifices, lambs. Where is this coming from? Well, it's coming from Exodus chapter 13. You see, the story is looking forward, but it's being told from a people who are now looking back. And they're putting themselves in this story to try and understand what is happening. And what are they doing here? They're, they're telling a story and connecting the people who are living to that story. Helping them understand we are part of something. And something is happening here that I think is once again undermining what has happened before. Just like when we talked about the Tower of Babel and the, those silly Babylonians trying to reach God, don't they know God has to reach us? These people who offer sacrifices to offer their children, well, they no longer were going to do. Why? Because God doesn't do that. Now they still would offer sacrifices for their children. They, they were to redeem their children by offering a sacrifice, but then God would change that later also, and he would offer a whole tribe. The tribe of Levites now became those who were dedicated to God. You see, there's an evolution taking place of how they saw and understood God that we need to be able to look back and say, okay, that's different than it started, 
Now they're adding this, and now it's changing to that, and it continues that way in Psalm chapter 40. Verse 6, leave it to a poet to change things up and throw a monkey wrench. Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. You didn't? Doesn't the law say you did? Verse seven, then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. In Psalm 51, verse 16, you do not delight in sacrifice. You don't? Then why did you ask for them? Or I would bring it to you. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. What were all those laws about? My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. There was a time when the temple represented the place of God, and then the psalmist says, Can or uh, Solomon said, Can the heavens contain you? How will this temple? How will this tabernacle hold you? And then Jesus comes along and says, no, you're not that you, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we don't see an evolution taking place, if we don't see a change that's happening throughout scripture, if we don't see a people trying to wrestle with their identity and their purpose to a God they believe in, but who is too big to understand, if we don't find ourselves in that story, I think we're missing the story. And there's some powerful things here. There are some truths here that just jump out at me. You know, this this covenant that I can't keep, but God has to keep. This sacrifice that God says, no, God is not angry and doesn't need to be appeased any longer. There are these glimmers of, of hope in these things that I think are going to grow and are going to sprout as time goes on. It happens through the poets, through Psalms. It, it happens even more fully through Jesus. And so as we read these stories, understand the people who are hearing them, how they're identifying with them, and understand that we all do the same thing to some degree. But let's not try and take these things that were happening and make them, put them in concrete as if we have to live by them any longer. You know, when people say, well, those who bless you, you know, or those who curse you will be cursed. I mean, how many elections have I heard that said, right? If you don't bless Israel, only the president who blesses Israel is going to, that nation's going to be blessed. God didn't even bless Israel all the time. What about when God cursed Israel? Do I take that, but I throw out the other things about you know, the slaves and all the other things that don't resonate with me? I'm not gonna pick and choose what I want to fit my political system or my agenda. I have to take it and I have to see it as it was given and understand that these things aren't for us to just grab and chuck and plant here and say, okay, this is how it is. It doesn't work. And if Israel is doing things that are unjust, then God, I don't believe, is supporting it. I'm not okay with God telling someone to kill their kid. That's not okay with me. I hope it's not okay with you too. I 
understand it, but anyway, that's a different. <laughs> it's not okay, and it wasn't meant to be okay. I'm not okay with God telling Joshua to kill every man, woman, child, and beast in this whole region, but I understand that's how they understood God telling them to take this land. Is it okay that I'm not okay with those things? Because I think we have to see things in a bigger frame. Otherwise, we get into serious trouble. And we've seen it through history. People use the name of Jesus to slaughter and wipe out nations and manifest destiny. I'm not okay. I don't think Jesus was okay with that. And so going through this and seeing these stories that jump out and strike us as strange is normal and good because for us at this time, they are. And we have to see that even for them at their time, they are trying to find their place in a world that has just been devastated and they're putting the pieces back together. And they're trying to see how they can tell this story and understand that God hasn't left us. He, he brought order from chaos before. He's going to do it again. And I believe he is. And I believe he does. And I believe he will. Because from my understanding of God through Jesus, that's what he does. And so that's what I'm going to lean into. And that's what I'm going to try and understand. And in another year, I I may grow to understand things differently. Why? Because God's changing? No, because my understanding is changing, just like theirs was. And I hope we're okay with that. I'm hoping we're okay with questions. I hope we're okay with trying to figure these, these things out. I hope we're okay with not just saying, oh yeah, that's fine, that's okay, without questioning it and wondering, why is this happening here? Why are there this, this commands to obey my laws, my sacrifices, and these burnt offerings? When did we talk about that? We don't. We don't see it here. We don't see it till later. They are putting it here, not because they're trying to deceive us, but because like those paintings of Jesus, they're trying to see themselves in the story. And that's important because we do the same thing and that's okay. Let's pray. Father, may we not stop wrestling with the things that we don't understand, with the things that don't make sense to us, with the things that we are trying to figure out about you and about us and about where we belong in this story of humanity. And I pray, Father, that we would be gracious to one another as we grope our way throughout our lives trying to answer these questions. And I thank you again for the journey that so many have been following with me on. 
I'm grateful for the friendships. I'm grateful for the questions. I'm grateful for the struggles, the difficulties, and changing mindsets and wanting to grow and to know and to not be right, but to be good with who you are. Lord, may we continue to lean into that. I pray you would bless these efforts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, we're going to have time for questions and dialogue um, after, so you guys are welcome to stick around. Again, for those online, sorry you cannot be a part of that. Hope you can come down and join us and be a part of that. We'd love to hear your voice and all of these things. And may you never stop struggling to understand who God is and what his desires are for our lives. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.